Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 118 of NASCAR Radio. We're trading cards and racing meat. I'm your pal Val, and with me is the amazing Jason. Jason, how are you? I'm doing well. And then the man, the myth, the legend, PSA and White Castle Hall of Famer, Logan. How are you? I'm feeling price guidey. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank our sponsor, Panini America, and also thanks to new follower, James Strout. Got a great show for everybody today. We're going to do a race recap of the Xfinity Cup race and F1 race. Dr. Beckett's going to join us today for a little chat about NASCAR racing cards. And then we'll finish up the show with King's Court. So, gentlemen, let's get into it. The Camping World Truck Series, they were off last week. There is only one more race until the final race in Phoenix. That's going to be at Homestead Miami Speedway, the Baptist Health 200. But that's going to be October 22nd. So, we still have another week. The season's coming down. I can't believe it. The season's getting ready to end here in a few weeks. It's going by quick, man. Seems like just... Uh, just yesterday, we were talking about who was going to win the Daytona 500. <laughs> yeah. So that race in Miami, Homestead will get the final four. Right now, Tom Jeske is the only one who's locked in. Moving over to the Xfinity Series. That was the 41st annual drive for the QR 250 presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. That was Saturday, October 8th at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Road course. A.J. Amendinger was our winner. Highest finisher rookie was Sheldon Creed at position 16. With that, A.J. Amendinger advances to the round of eight. Of course, you all know who I wanted to win. Oh, I Ty know. Freak, Ty freaking Gibbs. He, he tried, but just wasn't in the card. It wasn't in the cards. <laughs> I love it. Okay. <laughs> he won't be in the cards. Well, he might be. You never know. Well, we've talked about his cards Quite a bit, but we'll do a quick recap of those. Let me throw that up on the screen here. 2007 is his rookie year, first year cards. We have Press Pass Premium in 2007, 2000 Press Pass Stealth. There's a regular version and a Chrome version, as you can see there on the top left. There's also the Maximum Access. That's that card on the bottom. That's an insert. There's the VIP, that's the one in the middle, 2007, a few base cards in 2007, and then you can see the one to the bottom, the 2007 tracks, base with parallels, and then the 2007 wheels, American Thunder autograph to the right. I don't know, I'm, I'm thinking um, AJ Amendinger, He's he might be, I'm figuring him or Noah Greskin for the championship this year. Yeah, I mean, I think um, well, he's locked in. Ty freaking Gibbs is locked in. Who else is locked in? I, I'm trying to remember who all is locked into the so far for this next round. But yeah, Ty, Ty freaking Gibbs. Uh, he's still my choice, but he's kind of he he's kind of been on a cold streak. He's been up there, but he just hasn't closed the deal. But yeah, I, I agree with you, Val. I think it's either going to be uh, Almondinger or Gregson. I think uh, one of those two guys is going to get it because Almondinger is like he's like on fire hot right now. I'm sure he would like to get a championship before he moves up to the cup. 
Mm-hmm. And then also our highest finishing rookie was Sheldon Creed. And for that, all you need to know is 2021 Panini Chronicles. In buttload. <laughs> yeah. I think it's officially, like you said, a buttload. We need to try <laughs> opening some 21 Chronicles and see if we can open a pack without getting a Sheldon Creed. So yeah, good luck with that. Uh, also in 2021 Panini Prism as the variation on that with him holding a trophy as well as all the parallels and signatures, autographs, and also in 2021 National Treasure. So a lot of Sheldon Creed cards in 2021 for his rookie year. So I have some a question about that race. Did you guys see the number 18 Richmar Flores car? It, it was driven by James Davison. He finished fourth. So oh. kudos, kudos to him and uh, shout out to our friends at Richmar Florist. Yeah, that's awesome. Great. That's a great finish. It was a great finish. And one more thing real quick. Next week, I know you're getting ready to talk about ne- the next week's race, but next week, Haley Deegan. Yes. Next race, race number 30. Three more until they go to Phoenix, and that's going to be at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. That's the Alsco Uniforms 302. And that's this Saturday, October 15th at 3 p.m. Stages for at Xfinity Las Vegas Motor Speedway. End of lap 45, end of lap 90, end of lap 201. Predictions, yes. Prediction, real quick. Where's Haley finish next week? I think uh, in the 20s. I'm going to say 19th. Okay. I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say... 17. I just think that for her first shot, she's not running, I don't think, a powerhouse team's car. So I think it's just go out there, run, and bring back the car in one piece. Let's hope it's not, she's not Danica. One piece that they can strip it and sell it for parts. <laughs> yeah. Oxygen all the shit will be on, car, on cards. Yeah. Coming, coming well, to a trading card near you. Well, that's part of the reasons why we don't have a lot of Panini. Yeah. Sheet metal is because Gray took great care of the car. He did. <laughs> so there were hardly any any uh, sheet metal available for sale. So, well, it's funny, and I, I know we have things to do, but real quick, I called and I can't remember who it was. I called his race team's office to say, "Hey, if you know something happens, what are you going to do? We'd like to buy some." And he, he kind of chuckled. He's like, well, hopefully we're not able to sell anything because the car is in good shape. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what everybody else wants, you know? <laughs> like, So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll always remember that because it was interesting, the perspectives that each side has. Yeah, I I tried to uh, – I called the shop as well and was looking for sheet metal. The Racing Warehouse, what we've talked about before on the show, they did have a – rear end of the car i missed it by i don't know 10 minutes or something and then i did get a um um, competitors panel but i sent it to panini so i figured i needed to go back to the mothership (laughs) (laughs) so uh moving over to the cup series that was race number 32 and that was the 63rd annual bank of america roval 400 That was Sunday, October 9th at Charlotte Motor Speedway Road Course. Easy for me to say. Our winner winner was Christopher Bell. 
Highest finisher Ricky was Austin Cindric at position 21. Now, I know Christopher Bell drove that car, but his crew chief, he needs to get a big portion of that win. Yeah, his crew chief won the race for him, making that call with that that caution that came out several laps before the end. Uh, and he was like one of the only ones that came in. It's like I'm su- we were surprised that not more folks came in. But he came in at the right time, and it, it worked out for him perfectly. Yeah, that with like five laps to go, that sign came off or somebody had hit it and it went on to the track. So they had to throw the, the caution, which to uh, the dismay of Chase Elliott, who had like a four second lead. Uh, so all that for nothing. And then Christopher Bell gets the win there. So, yeah, he was literally he wasn't last, but because uh, Alex Bowman's last, but. He was the last of the drivers that are driving. Yeah, he, had yeah he, they went in one of the turns and Reddick hit him. And so he, or they both tried to get the same real estate, which didn't work out well for Chase Elliott. But we've talked about Christopher Bell before. I think, he, did he get his first win this year? Was it last no, year? No, it wasn't this year. But I know we talked, I guess we talked about him before. He, yeah, he's won, he, he's won this year earlier. Yeah. There you go. 2016 Panini certified. Shocker. Base card there. What's that? Shocker. Yeah. I <laughs> With all these years, Jason's tired of hearing about 2016 certified. But but this is one of the reasons why. 2016 certified. Base card there. And you'll see the autographs. Prism only signatures, which you'll see there, which is the red, white, and blue version. And then Torque only Autographs as well. No base. Only base card. 2016 Panini certified. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. It's crazy. Like, I do these little overlays for us, and I kind of just grab the portraits and put them in. I don't pay too much attention. I just try to get them done. But I'm looking at it now as we're talking. And he, I know he's 27, 28 years old, but he looks 12. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that picture right there, he looks so young. They all are now. It's just yeah. like, look at Ty freaking Gibbs. He's only 19. Yeah. And then also Cindric, 2018, Panini certified. He's in the Donruss Phenoms, Panini Prism, scripted signatures, Victory Lane base, as well as Victory Lane signatures. So that's it for him. Next race, race number 33, three more till Phoenix. And it's going to be at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, the South Point 400, Sunday, October 16th at 2.30 p.m. Stages for that race are going to be end of lap 80, end of lap 165, and end of lap 267. So with with this race, that set the field of eight. And I was looking at the different teams that are going to be in this next round. It's it's just kind of like the season has gone. It's, you know, there's been a lot of parity. So you've got two Gibbs cars, you've got two Hendrick cars, two Penske cars, one track house and one Stuart Haas. So it's pretty much kind of even across the board for the most part. Uh, You know, you don't have one team with all four of their drivers in there. So again, it's just, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of parity this year. So cutting down to the final four, Chase has got 31 points, which is the most 20 points above the second place. Joey Logano, 
And then it gets really tight. So Logano's plus 11, Chastain plus 6, Bell plus 3, William Byron minus 3, Planey minus 3, Hamlin minus 6, Chase Briscoe minus 9, which you get a point for every car you pass. So there's a lot of points and a lot of movement. So this these last spaces are going to be – it's going to be really interesting here, these next three races. Must-see TV. Indeed. Moving over to Formula One, they had a little race over there. That was the 2022 Japanese Grand Prix. That was Sunday, October 9th at the Suzuka Circuit in Suzuka City, Japan. That was on like at 1 o'clock in the morning, East Coast for us. Uh, I got to see them playing Uno during the rain delay. I did get to see some of that, but I didn't get to see the end of the Got to see the beginning <laughs> of the race, and then the red flag for two hours on, yeah, the, post, on my recording. That, I, know. I saw that. I loved it. <laughs> I got to see the whole race. At the time it was going on live, I was driving back from Bryant-Denny Stadium watching Alabama almost get their butt kicked, but they somehow lucked out and won that, won that game. But anyway, I, I recorded it, and I added an extra hour and a half to my recording, and I got the race in. I actually got to see it. So. Thank, thank goodness for that. That's a good job. Our winner was Max Verstappen. And we've talked about Max quite a bit. He's having an amazing season with about 12 wins now. 12 wins. He's one away from tying the all-time season win record of 13. Well, I have a feeling he's going to tie it and break it. If I he, think he's going to break it. Uh, I, I'm going out on a very, very stout limb <laughs> saying he's going to break it. Well, I mean, I know, you know, we started following F1 last year and we talked about Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen winning what 90% of the races, 95% of the races. And then mm-hmm. this year it's been pretty much all max. So, but with his cards, he has a few cards before the 2020 tops, Chrome and tops. Now 2016 top Trumps grand Prix heroes and the 2018 tops Trumps. And then you get into 2020, the Tops Now Formula One, which is a print run of 4,047. And then you get into the 2020 Tops Chrome Formula One with all of the cards in that set dedicated to winner and driver of the day. So there's 13 cards and one image variation in Chrome. And there's a ton of parallels. There's also a Sapphire edition to it. There's 2020 dynasty also the f1 official stickers there's 11 stickers in there and then there's also the 2020 tops turbo attacks formula one 12 12 cards and three limited edition cards with the bronze silver and gold versions so and also and also with that win he wins the championship yeah that's what i was just getting ready to talk about on that last lap of course, it was raining, um, and I like watching races in the rain anyway. But anyway, it was raining, and uh, I think Max had already passed crossed the finish line. And you had Charles Leclerc and uh, Sergio Perez going for you know, second and third, and, and Charles Leclerc was in second. Well, he he makes an excursion off the track and comes back on the track, and he was still able to keep. Uh, you know, keep his position. He was in second place. So 
after they crossed the finish line, F1 gave Charlotte Claire a five-second penalty, which moved Sergio Perez up to second, which the way the points shook out, before that happened, if it had finished with Leclerc second and Perez third, uh, Max was one point away from winning the championship. But when they changed those positions, Max wins the championship. Voila. Go figure. Well, when you say that, you know, second and third in the points championship is only separated by one point. Yeah. So there you go. That that one point decided that. It's funny how that works out. It seems like every year when when somebody's going for the championship, there's always some kind of weird thing that happens, maybe some kind of controversy, you know, something weird that happens. And, you know, it's like I said, it's controversial, but, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, Max was going to win the championship anyway. I, I There's no way anybody's going to knock him off this late in the season. But it just clinched it for him earlier. That's all it did. So they are off this week, but they return to the States, the United States Grand Prix. And that's going to be Sunday, October 23rd. At 3 p.m., that's going to be at the Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas. Man, I would love to go to that race, but you know tickets for that are going to be expensive. Not Formula One races. Oh, gosh. I bet I bet it'd be a couple thousand dollars for a ticket to try to find one now to go. I thought somebody had a pair on one of the face group. I wanna, how much were they? I can't remember now if it was 800 and something for the two. Oh, that's that's actually pretty good. It's a lot less than I thought. But don't hold me to it. I don't know if they have, still have them left, but it'd be pretty cool to go. It would be pretty cool to go. I, I've never seen that track. You know, I think when I was in Dallas at the Dallas Car Show last year it was also the same weekend they had that the race last year. Um, but no, no, I'm, I, I take that back. That was the Cup race, and it was it had they had issues with rain. But I would love to go to that that race. So now that Max has won the championship what how do you think that affects his cards because he was so dominant this year i know the diehards will still be watching but you know i know we're kind of the market is kind of weak right now but i'm just curious to see what do you guys think of you know i'm saying not investing but you know picking up some first stoppings when you can find them for a good deal because i think long term you know, he's only starting to be in the stride. I think he's got a few more years ahead. Go ahead, Jason. I'll let you talk about it first. So my thoughts are there's there's a couple layers to this. I think he has already established himself to where, yes, there's upside, but it's not the upside that people might think where we had it two years ago. As always, buy stuff in the off season, not during the season. That's always going to be your best but I would also argue don't buy the 2020 and 2021 stuff because I feel like so many people are into that, that it might be not like an overflow because there's dynasty and stuff that's expensive, but there it's out there. I would be looking for that Trump's the Trump or Trump's card, like some of that stuff. Cause look at what we've seen with Lewis Hamilton. It's that old, old stuff that has really commanded the money. And granted, the, the top scrims have too, but I think that is kind of its own little bubble within the F1 cards. I think that 2020, 2021 stuff is its own separate entity. So, Logan, I want to I stop you on, and go to our next segment if we can. Sure, go ahead. 
we have somebody on the NASCAR radio newsmaker line here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very nice shirt. Welcome, Dr. Beckett, to NASCAR radio. Great to be here, guys. Yeah, welcome, man. We're glad you're glad you're here. Like that shirt. It's, uh, it's not a one of one, but it's it's uh, a good friend gave me one. <laughs> it's like one of thirty. One of thirty, maybe. Okay. Well, Logan, you want to jump in first? Yeah, yeah. We've got some questions for you, Doctor Beckett. Um, let's see. I've got I've got my notes somewhere. Should have headed up quicker. All right, so I got a question for you, um, and this this pertains to the you know, when you guys first came out with the racing uh, magazine. Uh, I know there were no credible established racing car prices when you guys began the racing magazine. Uh, what kind of process did you guys go through in gathering the pricing, and how difficult of a job was that? Well, it was really simple for me because I didn't really participate. In it. <laughs> I, I had, you know, I collected everything and I probably had some, but we wound up hiring some guys and we made extensive use of like regional correspondence and people around. It, it was, again, if you turn the clock back 25 or 30 years, it's, it was pretty regional. I think it was a Southeast. Uh, most of the shows were, you know, North Carolina and, and below, I think. Uh, so we were hitting those same shows, um, and we had a, we had dedicated staff, and we had people helping out that were doing other sports. But you can't manufacture passion instantly for a sport if you didn't collect it. So we we had to have people that were knowledgeable about NASCAR, and uh, you know. But uh, when we did it, though, there were there were a bunch of sets coming out. And so we, we didn't like decide one day to do it and put a magazine out the next day. We really had a fair amount of lead time. Um, and, and it was a team effort. And I, I probably was pretty, pretty far removed from, from the day-to-day -day pricing. I, I really, I had some guys I trusted. And, uh, you know, when you're the hardest one of a price guy to do is the first one. After the first one, you get feedback. And people say, hey, you really missed on that one. So, well, and, you know, when you're missing on a price guide, it's because we're analyzing the data that we have, but we don't have all the data. And so as we got more data and better sources, we were able to be more accurate as so that. So we 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 got off the mark there and we we found out who were who were the better dealers in the country. And so. It was a lot of fun. I mean, I think it, I enjoyed it because I wasn't as uh, nose to the grindstone on, on that particular sport. I could enjoy it as a, as a fan. One thing that I noticed, or I didn't really collect at that time, but going back and looking through the other magazines, there are a few other price guys that were, I started like December of 89 up until that point, but it seemed like, when Beckett started to produce a price guide that they just shut down. It wasn't even, did, did you guys hire them or was there any uh, communication with some of those other price guides? Well, I mean, you, you've got to be careful. I mean, we're, we, we, um, 
you know, we're not going to plagiarize. They were, they were doing stuff. There were some of them out there, again, very regional. We were a lot more national and international. And we, uh, I will say this, thanks to the uh, a number of people within NASCAR, we had good entree and access to some of the drivers and teams and, and uh, some of the leadership. And so that was, that was helpful. But, you know, we were using some of the same sources. There, there were a few key dealers that and I don't remember exactly now who they were, but they were, you know, we were circulating around to the shows, even the specific NASCAR shows that were pretty much Charlotte area or, you know, uh, North Carolina was heavy, Daytona, I guess, you know, anything floor, anything in between there, there were some good shows, but it was a challenge. And uh, we, like I said, we don't want to plagiarize, but we're, we're, if everybody's trying to do a price guide that's accurate, they're, they're going to be having some similarities. But then as we, we, we really established a, a regular, you know, we were really consistent in our approach and in our, in our frequency. And so if we're coming out every month, we're going to get better and better. And, uh, and I think we did. And so I don't, I, we weren't trying to, you know, Val, I've said, I don't, I don't want to have a monopoly. I just want to be in first place. And so we weren't trying to drive anybody out of business because again, it's a, it's a very relational sport. I think where even the drivers, uh, are, are competitors, but they, they realize they're all in it together. I mean, there's probably a few renegades there, but most of them realize they need each other. They're not trying to wreck anybody for the most part. They, they, uh, they just want to win. No, I guess what I was saying is that it seemed like they had closed up shop before you guys really even were getting going. And plus, I mean, you guys had a, a bigger distribution channels since racing was what your, uh, fifth price guide yeah. it was baseball football basketball hockey and then racing we, I mean, may, yeah. we may have been doing uh, future stars by then i'm not okay. sure about that but but anyway but yeah you know, uh, that was another positive we had some sort of distribution muscle by having all these card shops out there and if if we're talking about 96 that's after the baseball strike and and we weren't the only ones looking for other avenues i mean the card shops you know, we're thinking, hey, what else is out there if they're not going to play baseball? So, but these others, you know, it's it's hard. It's hard to publish. It's hard to put something in print and have and then people criticize. Uh, I, I was glad that they bought the magazine and then criticized and criticized constructively because we could we could work for that. These others, I, I just think we had a by that time we had a pretty pretty sharp staff. You know, the adding one more publication wasn't the same as having a business just with one publication. We, it was on top of the other success we had. And so covered our overhead and, you know, the show trips. We didn't have, you know, it, they, they'd go to a show and then they'd, they'd also hit the, the NASCAR show. So let me ask you this. When, when you guys started doing the grading, was racing part of the original rollout that you guys did for grading or did that come later? I don't remember that. I remember doing grading and I don't remember that we were doing, uh, you know, Pokemon or anything like that, but you know, any sports cards, I, I, my sense is that we were doing it. Now, when we had our, that first year when we were, you know, showing people what we were doing, we weren't showing racing cards. It was, mm -hmm. but again, if you turn the clock back there, it was, it was still heavy on baseball. 
in terms of the grading. I mean, basketball was coming on, football was coming on, but the big cards were mainly baseball. And that's, that's mainly what we were grading in the beginning. But I don't think we turned, Logan, I don't think we turned away NASCAR. We had a library of, of NASCAR cards, which I own now because a lot of it was, some was sort of mine and then it was the companies which became mine. And so I've, I've maintained that. And so, and I, I've told them if they ever need to look for any exemplars or samples, I'm, I'm at their service. But you had a lot of the sets to, to check for authenticity and stuff like that. Not everything, but enough samples that people could see, hey, this is real. And again, people actually there were counterfeiting some NASCAR cards, uh, but that was uh, predictably the uh, some some better cards. Right. Earnhardt. Jason. Wow. Hey, so stepping away from the the price pad aspect of it a little bit, I kind of wanted to see if you remembered some stuff from you know those times with the other brands. And we had the Maxes and Upper Deck for a couple of years and then Press Pass, of course. Do you remember any of the other brands, say like a Pacific, for example, that considered racing and that never came to fruition? Uh, Pacific, I mean, I knew those guys pretty well, actually. And they were more of like a family run company. And I think they studied a lot of things. But, you know, being in, in the Seattle area, I just think, right. they, you know, Mike Kramer, the owner, also did a lot of photos. So I bet he went to some races and checked it out, but uh, you know, there's licensing issues. And it, by that time when they were rolling, it was, it was getting to be a pretty crowded field. And he's a, he was a sharp business guy and he had his hands full with going after the major licenses and, and had, and they didn't make it easy for him because he was smaller, but he would have been a good addition. He would have brought some creativity to it. If you look at some mm -hmm. of the, thing specific was doing with the die cutting and the uh they were they were ahead of their time on some things yeah for sure because there is still a lot of the the inserts and stuff that are very popular and still very rare and command a, a good deal of money you know in the major sports so i think i would agree with you on that they, they probably would have done some some pretty cool stuff that we still like to see today but again, I think that the NASCAR people, they're trying, they don't want to oversaturate the, the, the card landscape. And so to add another licensee after right. they are, you know, upper deck was, was, was really doing well at, at that time, I think. And they were producing a lot of cards. Max had been the kind of the incumbent press pass actually press pass did a lot of innovative things too. So to add Pacific on top of that, it already was pretty crowded. So right when you, right before you joined, we were kind of talking about F1 and where we saw, you know, a couple of the drivers go on in that market. What have you seen, like what's kind of been your perspective the past two years or so with, with F1? Cause it's something that we, I don't think none of us expected and we kind of hoped it would happen for NASCAR and then we didn't really get it. So kind of, wondering what your thoughts are on that it's like two years ago everybody kind of woke up and realized yeah. hey there's this thing called f1 it's the second most popular sport in the world or third most popular sport in the world and uh and hey they got some cards and it just drove the price up like crazy and everything was on lewis hamilton as if he were the only guy and there's other outstanding drivers 
that were ignored initially. And then like the hobby does, they, they swarm and then they see, Oh, that's getting overheated. Well, what's, what's adjacent, what's next. And so they'd go to some other drivers and then they'd work their way back for other F1 products and other, other kinds of, uh, motorsports. So I I'm hoping Jason, that it, that it, that that rising tide raises all boats. Cause that was a lot of energy coming yeah, into racing and it made, cause Indy has never made a mark. It, really? I mean, Indy, Indy car racing is, you know, that's, that's really cool too, but, the, and they've had cards, but nothing's really uh, been big. So I, I like it that people are looking for other things. And, uh, but when the prices get way stretched out like that, then uh, to me, that's a turnoff for somebody who's coming in. It's exciting that you could get something like that. But, you know, it's a two-year-old card and it's five figures even, you know, that's, uh, I mean, how many NASCAR cards that are not highly produced that are hard to find are worth more than a thousand bucks? There's just, there's just not many. There's not many. You know, but in but in the the, the Topps Chrome uh, Formula One, there were instantly a whole bunch. Which yeah, is kind of a lot of hype. Things. Go ahead, Logan. No, I just I just want to make a comment that that was a lot of hype. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, well, hype is called is spelled M A R K E T I N G. I mean, it's it it was coming not just from the. In fact, it probably was coming more from the collectors and people, you know, and dealers that had a position in it as much as it was coming from tops. I don't mm -hmm. think tops was saying, Hey, this, you know, they, they just put out the cards and the distributors and the, and the breakers and the dealers, you know, uh, wrote it. And, and they thought, Hey, there's, you know, they just, you know, when something starts to go up, the hobby thinks it's like the arrows in the magazine. They think that means it's going up instead of that. It went up. And so, it's like if there'd been a magazine for F1, there'd been an arrow up every month for two years. Yeah. But at some point you say, wait a minute, it's, it's already up pretty expensive. Are there really people that want to pay these huge prices when, you know, for, for that you could get almost any Dale Earnhardt card or Jeff Gordon yeah. or Jimmy Johnson or Richard Petty or anybody, any of that. Yeah, we talk about the pricing of NASCAR so much and the affordability and, you know, they kind of pick on me because we'll talk about something and I'll buy it as we're recording. I'll buy it on Calm C because it's so cheap and affordable and it's, you know, Hall of Fame rookie cards are less than $10 on a regular basis. And that's kind of where we thought, at least I'm trying to speak for everybody, I guess, where we thought with that pricing, even if it goes from 10 to 20 that's a doubling and it's still affordable. So I think that's where we kind of thought something should happen or could happen very soon. Okay. I mean, if, if you guys just swarm the, 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 the better cards, the tougher cards in of NASCAR of the last 30 years, and you only have 35 years to work with most. Right. I mean, it's the last 35, 34 years. So, uh, just quietly buy up all the ones. I mean, it's it, it, could, it could look like an outrageous bargain, uh, and it could create a run. But I mean, it's it's just the thing is, there's so many different NASCAR cards over those years, and F1 really mainly had all that demand focused on initially one product, and it right. just 
they they forget that there's there's going to be another product the next year, the next year, the next year. It's I'm hard pressed to call that a Lewis Hamilton rookie card. I mean, the guy is was after his seventh championship or something. I mean, it's it's just it's but people they love the narrative of this is this is going to be big, and it's like NASCAR. It would have exploded if it if it was going to, and I I think that's faulty logic. There's already lots of fans for NASCAR. If Fanatics turns more sports fans into card collectors, there's already tons of NASCAR fans out there, millions, that go to races regularly that follow, you know, everybody's talking about soccer, but NASCAR is the same thing. There's a lot of cards for NASCAR, and if you had twice as many people chasing them, I don't know, not saying the prices would double, but there'd be, there'd be more action and price movement up. And you you would have wished you to pick those up, Jason. So that's you know I I, I would if I see that stuff in a dollar box, I pick it up. Right. You know, it doesn't mean it's going to sell immediately, but it's 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 a good value. You know, by everything you're analyzing, it's you're being sensible about it. It's not that you're a such a passionate NASCAR fan that you can't see straight. You're 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 realizing this. Compared to these other things, this is this ought to be a really good deal eventually. Yeah, and I mean, would you think that, like with Press Pass and the other ones, that the print runs would be a lot lower than the other sports? I would say the print. Well, in you know, depends on what sport, but well, no, probably of the major sports. Yeah, probably in in every case. But what you have is you had geographic concentration in the distribution, so it might be that in Charlotte, there's just as many of those NASCAR cards as there are baseball or football or basketball and probably more than hockey. Uh, so if, if people are into NASCAR and they're in those you know, race uh, cities, then maybe they don't think, Hey, these are, these are easy to find. Um, Cause it seems like trying to find singles is, is becoming tough. Uh, you know, Com C and sport lots and some of the rest of them are starting to get, well, more Com C has availability but sport lot scene has been kind of dwindling down so it it's hard to you know like you said 35 years of cards but it's hard to find uh, singles and stuff so well i'm gonna i'm eventually i'm gonna put more stuff on com c i've got a decent account on com c and i i i i've sold some uh racing there but i haven't been through i mean i need to i'm kind of systematic when I, i'll go through my stuff and figure well i don't want this anymore and i'll I'll bust a, a parallel set or something and put it up there. But I haven't done that yet, but you guys are encouraging me that, that there probably would be demand. Yeah, there, there's definitely demand. It's just not as high as, you know, these other sports, but we, we do see it. And we're kind of a victim of our own. I, won't, I don't know if I want to call it success or whatever, but we, we've been hyping. If you want to call it that again, if you want to call it, we, we've been talking a lot about like the 1972 SDP cards and, we have seen a dramatic yeah. increase in those cards. Uh, and we used to be able to pick them up fairly cheap. And I think we're, like I said, we're, we're a victim of our own success. Now it's hard to find those cards and hard to buy them because they've gotten so expensive. Well, on comp C the expense is in listing, you know, you got to pay 50 cents at least to get the card listed. If they were to run a NASCAR special to say, okay, for the next month, if you send in NASCAR cards, we want to be, and this is a strategy I'd like to see them do. 
we want to be the the premier place for NASCAR singles. And so we're going to have half price submissions. But you get you got to you got to give us um, you got to put them in numerical order. You've got to make it easy for us that you're not sending us all this obscure stuff that that we lose money on. But if you send us some groups of cards that we can post to the site, we'll we'll, we'll give you a deal on the uh, submission fees. I'd be all over that, and I'd put a whole bunch of cards. And then they could be they could be the place. And um, I guess the other aspect that you guys could speak to is that I think there's a lot of people that collect. There's a lot of people that just collect hockey cards, but there's also a lot of people that just collect NASCAR. And so I don't know that there's as much cross. That's one of the reasons we did a different magazine for each sport, because we didn't. People thought, well, they're just a card collector. They get all the sports. Well, no. People usually focus on one thing, and the NASCAR guys are are really loyal. They're really faithful to NASCAR. They probably do collect some other things, but NASCAR a lot of times is their main thing. Yeah, that, that's definitely like me. That that's the exact kind of collector I am. I collect mostly NASCAR, but I do have I do have like a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. I've got some other odds and end cards here and there, and I still like baseball. So, but but my main focus is NASCAR. Well, Comsi would be a good place because they, you know, you, you could, you could fill in your sets. Cause I, I agree with you, Logan, we've talked, you know, the, I think more of the NASCAR, I mean, I guess you could be a driver and collect cars and drivers, but a lot of them collect complete sets because it's more affordable in racing than it is in some of these other sports, I think. Oh, it is. Mm-hmm. And there's not the exaggerated, you know, price of the rookie. I don't think. Uh, at least uh, of the in the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Now we're we are seeing a rise in Dale Earnhardt senior cards. You know his rookie cards command a good price. Uh, he's become you know since he's not been in any issues since 2015. Yeah. Um, we you know everybody's you know hot on him. All his memorabilia cards, autographed cards, even his like I said rookies and even a lot of the numbered singles that he had back from press pass. We're oh. seeing a big rise in those. Everybody's mad at Teresa, but you know, I mean, if, <laughs> there were if if there was if there was more out there and it was an ongoing thing, then I mean, for for all the demand is focused on the years that he has cards, and uh, and I still think there's a, a premium should be on cards for when the player or the driver was active, and not after they've retired or after they've passed away. I mean, retrospective cards are okay, but I. I, I want to see the guy, the, the baseball player, football player, whatever, when they're still playing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that's why his uh, 88 and 89 Max cards are so popular. Plus, he's got a an 83 Uno card that's really tough in a 10 of any grade or any company. So those are really, really doing well right now. Yeah, no, when we talk to the guys at Panini, they are trying very hard – to get the licensing for Dale Hart Sr. to be allowed to use them on cards, so we'll see. Yeah, well, I, I heard you guys talk about that that, that, that Teresa wants Babe Ruth-type money or something like that. Well, that's, she, I don't think, has – to be honest, I believe the Panini has the paperwork with maybe her lawyers, but maybe there's no figure, so I believe that Panini was going to try to – 
show that they were uh, very interested in that they would go with the same money that they're paying Babe Ruth for his image. To, to, I guess to see if they can get a conversation or if they'll still go for it. So, well, they've got Funko Pops. Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, Dr. Beckett, I know that you collect racing cards. Uh, it's not your primary focus, but do you remember the first racing card that you ever got in your collection? I think in 88, Max sent me a set or something like that with my name on it. Oh, gosh. That's so I mean, cool. It's like a presentation box or something. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of the they wanted us to do a price guide for NASCAR, and it took us a while, but because uh, we we weren't going to do it unless we thought we could do it right. But but yeah, no, I've been finding when I put stuff on Com C, which is really exciting to me, is when I sell racing cards. It's not always the the best known, most famous drivers. It's it's. You know, it's driver collectors or somebody's completing a set. It could be a driver that's that didn't win very many races. They still have a following, and it's not just the family. I don't think it's it's uh, every driver. I think had fans. Otherwise, they get they get bumped. Exactly. They got to win, or they got to have a great fan base. So, and that's so. Yeah, I, the, I, the fans have some kind of connection to a driver, no matter whatever level. No matter and how. they are diehard because I was just thinking of TJ. He's a big read source, and yeah. and so when the sets come out, they're all looking at the checklist to see if you know any read sourcings are are in there, and so you could enter you know whatever name, and then they're all fighting for the one ones, which is you know pretty interesting. So well, when I get an order from Comp C and it's five cards, five relatively common cards of the same driver, and he's not never won a Winston cup or I even never won a race maybe, but uh, you know, that's somebody that's a, that's a true fan. And if they make me an offer, I'm probably going to accept it because I, I want to encourage people to really be true collectors. It's not a flipper. So know? when you're saying that, what I usually do is I'll get a multiple cards, but I'm using them for through the mail autographs. Okay. And so that's, that's a big thing too. Uh, to get multiples, yeah. Because I'll usually send a few, and then it, and you know, in the letter, let them know that they can keep a couple for themselves. Well, sports lots would be great for that. Yeah, but I've diminished that already. I don't think <laughs> many. Well, you know, you're talking about driver collectors and things like that. This is a real random story, but uh, about I guess it's been about two weeks ago. I was in Chick Fil A of all places. Go figure, right? And uh, I had my Panini racing card shirt on. I walked in there and this guy just kept staring at me. And he finally asked me, he goes, what do you know about Panini racing cards? I said, well, I collect cards. I'm, I'm an NASCAR fan. He goes, you may know my son. Uh, his name is Tommy Joe Martins. And he's a, an Xfinity driver, right, drives in, in other series. And he was up. They were in town. They were in Mississippi, but they were in town in Memphis. And uh, they, they were at that Chick-fil-A. So now just because of that little quick interaction, I'm a Tommy Joe Martins fan. He's he's not one to race. <laughs> You're also a Sam Mayer fan. I am a Sam Mayer fan because he signed something for me during COVID when, when they were here in Memphis and hardly anybody else did. So now I love him just because of that. So it's funny how the interactions that you have with these drivers or their family or whatever yeah. really spawn the, the interest in that particular driver. Well, I want to so, um, – go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to ask you, um, what was your first race, Dr. Beckett, that you attended? Do you remember that? Uh, Charlotte 600, I think. Wow. And when was that? In the, in the mid-90s, I think. I don't remember going before then. You know, and then the TMS was was created somewhere around in there. I think it was built in the middle of nowhere, you know, out, at, uh, out in between Dallas and Fort Worth. And so we had season tickets for that for, and we had, you know, we went out there for that, but, you know, the problem with that was the parking and the, you know, it's, it's an all day thing, which I wasn't prepared for that, but you know, football is like that too. You got to go in the morning and you come back at night and you pay a lot for parking and you, you know, you gotta, it, it was, but it was still happening. We, we got in the infield and, you know, went to the, uh, Went to the. Uh, it was on a Sunday, obviously, and at least the one in Dallas. I actually did the same thing there. I went to the chapel service. You kind of sit or stand in the back, and all the drivers are up there in the first few rows. When they start praying, every head is bowed. <laughs> every head is bowed. They're praying <laughs> safety, and uh, nobody wants to see bad accidents. Mm-mm. And so, uh, you know, that was that. But you know, they're they're strictly business, so I'm not. I'm not a big one for asking for autographs or anything, but they're, they're uh, finely tuned athletes with amazing instincts and reflexes. Definitely. Okay. I was going to say, I have a slide here of the, a few Beckett covers and the one to the left, you probably notices the first issue. Yes. For racing. Um, was there a lot of discussion on that, that first issue? For that cover uh no discussion about who would be on the cover i mean i think that was obvious right but the picture and you know one of the things that's cool about nascar is that you know in most of the sports well i mean you have you have card cards you know, so, mm-hmm. you know, when you tell people you're a card collector they think well, are you a car collector but you know so uh you know dale earnhardt's car or you know, somebody like that sells for more than a common card. And uh, there are people that collect all the Dale Earnhardt cards, whether they're of him or his car and stuff like that. So, so to show his car and a little, a photo inset of him uh, made a lot of sense. So, I mean, I, I'm sure I rubber stamped it, but I think the decision was an excellent decision before it even got to me. And then the, the other cover I thought was, was pretty interesting. And the one on the right, Comparing so that uh, rivalry between Jeff Gordon and Darren Hart Sr. with the Speed Racer and was it Racer X? Racer X. Do you remember that cover? Or I remember it. I just think, you know, at some point in there, and it may have been around in there, we started doing more anime, you know, Pokemon, Digimon. Dragon Ball Z, stuff like that. So we had a group within our company, including the graphic design people that were getting really tuned in to all things, you know, that were, you know, Pokemon, you know, th- those kind of things. So anything anime or, or artistic like that. So I, I think they were having fun with it. But that was, again, I wasn't really involved in that other than it's it's creative and makes people think, you know, the uh, subscribers like the covers, but if you have a newsstand copy of a magazine, which we did, we're on the newsstand, you've got a split second to catch the eye of somebody that's walking by the, the newsstand. 
and they, they can't even see the whole cover. They, they may just get a glimmer. And if you don't have something that, oh, if it make them stop, then you don't get that sale. And so our, our graphic design people were trying to, to do things that were, you know, that, that stood out. Now that actually is a good issue because there's a big article of the, about the 1988 max. And I think there's some uncut sheet photos in there. So I don't know. I know we didn't really talk about this, but maybe think of the issues about adding Beckett sample cards. And oh, I think oh, those are, those oh, are really a tough, tough collectible. Tipping them in. Yeah. That was yeah. only on certain issues. And we had the full cooperation of the, of the card companies that wanted to do it. And, uh, you did the little, the little sticky stuff that can, uh, so yeah, I think those are tough. Those are tough. And, you know, we did it on almost all the sports. I don't remember doing it for basketball, but I, I definitely know we did it for baseball and football a lot. And certain companies really thought that was cool to, to do that. Um, and they'd say sample on the back or, you know, something like that. So I don't know if people collect them as a complete set or whether they just, you know, get their favorite driver. Those are super tough because there are baseball. There's one baseball player that I collect that is a common that in 20 years I've never seen for sale. And I check eBay every day and I get the never ever have I seen it for sale. Uh, who is it and what? Super. Who? What? Josh Fogg, baseball. Josh Fogg, okay. Like 2000, um, 2002, what, what would that be? I think it was 2003, maybe 2002 also. But from his Beckett checklist, pretty much all I'm missing are these Beckett samples and a couple one-of-ones, and it's like it's driving me nuts. So, yes, they are super tough. Yeah, they're tough in racing too. You just don't see them every day. And, and I remember back in the day, I could have gotten a, a whole lot of them, and I just yep. – I thought, well, they'll be around, but not not now. I think when people get them, they keep them. They're, they're that tough. My recollection is that they were delivered to us with the sample imprint already there. That we didn't get raw cards and go get them stamped up and then insert them into the magazine. You know, my recollection is that they, they came to us with the sample stamp. In fact, there were gold and silver on some of those of saying sample in gold or silver uh, imprint. Uh, and so we got them that way. There's different types, but you know, each we, we get, we get these a big box of cards and we just, we take them to the printer and say, insert these, you put them on this little, on this little tear out card or something. Uh, so you wouldn't find a bunch of them unless you saw a whole bunch of them in a, and, and, uh, and, and pulled them off. I mean, you could, you could unstick them. And I think people did do that, but uh, it'd still be hard to accumulate a whole bunch of without, because it, it probably wouldn't be worth buying a bunch of magazines just to get the cards. Uh, I don't know if you had a great, great, if they were all Earnhardt's or something or Jeff Gordon's, but I don't think they gave us, I think they gave us a random assortment of these were just cards that, like Josh Fogg, I don't think he would be tougher than the other guys necessarily, uh, but but not easier either. I don't. They didn't. You know, if he's in the set, he probably had as many as the others. But it's just probably the one that was easier to throw away. Well, 
Well, no, but it, it, and again, that's the kind of stuff I could find in a dollar box. In fact, it wouldn't even be yeah. a dollar box. It'd be in a quarter box. Yeah. You wouldn't notice. I mean, most of them are, are, are imprinted on the back. And so if you went through the front of the cards, you wouldn't even see it. I mean, some of right. them have notation on the front, but, uh, but I will, I will remember that if I'm, if I'm looking, if I see stuff, Josh Fogg. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. And why, Actually, why you- I've done the same because I know that how difficult they are. And I've found some that I knew guys collected and I passed it on to them because I knew how difficult they were. So yeah, I appreciate that. If well, it, that's the kind of happen. stuff I put on Com C. If I get one, I'll, yep. I'll put it on Com C. And and they'll. It's amazing. Sometimes the better players are already there at a at a low price, but the more obscure players are are in in effect, Jason, maybe harder because they weren't saved as much. So right. I feel for that's you. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will look. I don't know if you have any questions for us. Uh, one, I just think that F one has come on strong. Why, why isn't Why isn't Indy? You know, and there, there's other, there's other, there's you know these other races. There's these endurance races and things like that. I mean, why aren't all things motor racing uh, taken off now? Because there, there's huge fan followings. Yeah, I mean. Drag racing has has a big following. IndyCar has a big following. World of Outlaws has a big following. Uh, all those different series have big followings, but really only NASCAR and F1 have cards. You don't even have IndyCar cards anymore or drag racing cards or anything like that. Uh, we're trying to kind of figure out the same thing. You know, why, why hasn't anybody picked up these licenses? Uh, we, would, we would think that, you know, that somebody like Panini or, you know, fanatic slash tops or somebody would say, Hey, drag racing is an untapped market. Let's grab that or Indy. Cause I know Ken would love to have some more new Indy car cards. Yeah. I felt I was- like from the collector standpoint, it was always the rules because typically you grow up, you play baseball, basketball, football, and then hockey. And it's kind of the way that we consider the big four and then all the other sports. And even for me, I've done this with Val and Logan for a handful of years. And I feel like I still don't know anything from the sport aspect. I know the cards in the industry. And I think it's that that entry point where it's not the cash value. It's the understanding what you're watching and what you're following. To me, that's always been well, I, what I, I thought. I used to think that, but now I think most people's favorite soccer player is Ted Lasso. <laughs> so... <laughs> I just think it needs, Jason. I just think it needs to be talked about. You just need to have, you know, the people are talking about it, and NASCAR is certainly, uh, you know, very, uh, very popular. And so, people, if Fanatics has their way, they're going to have anything that people are talking about that they can sell stuff. They're going to want to sell cards associated with. To your point, that whether people understand the hobby or not, they they're going to or understand the, even the, the, the sport uh, it's, it's an in thing to do. So yeah, that's F1 to a T. Yeah. I hope that's what they create. But again, F1 was so focused demand that it got, I think out of proportion and that can leave people with a bad taste in their mouth. So you guys be careful what you wish for. If, if NASCAR has a slow and steady growth in the value and the, of collectibles, and the increase in collectors, 
then that's that's a sustainable ride that can be for a lifetime. F1, uh, a lot of people came in if they if they cash out, you know, it's that. Like I said, you compare F1 one year's worth of F1 to a whole bunch of years of NASCAR, and it it doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. No, it it doesn't make sense. But you know what we're seeing now. You know there was that meteoric rise, but now we're seeing uh, a cliffing, a cliff fall right now. There, a lot of prices are really dropping, like 80, 90 percent. So we we are seeing that effect happening right now. I guess a lot of people who were hyping it and made their money, or like you said, they're cashing out, and now we're seeing the effects of that. Well, you got to have true collectors, otherwise, then you know pump and dump that they talk about is no. usually meant pejoratively in a very short time frame. And you pump, 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 and then you dump it all. Yeah. But I think a lot of these, it's it's not that. It's just that they they buy the cards. They're really optimistic. They weren't thinking about dumping them. They were thinking, hey, this is going to keep going up. When it quit going up, and then it went down, and then they're thinking, do I buy the dip? And they think, well, maybe I won't buy the dip. And then it keeps going down. Then they just think, I want to get out. Because they weren't true fans in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because they weren't able to say, hey, I got this great card. It's I got this great card. This is how much I paid for it. And now I get sick at my stomach thinking that I've lost half the value when I double overpaid. Yeah. And that's happened quite a bit right now. And, and we, we, we are seeing it. You have to compare. People want to do the comps, but only the comp against that particular card. And then they they're willing to pay more instead of saying, I'd like to pay less or looking comps. It, when you're doing a comp of a of a house in a neighborhood, you need to look at the whole neighborhood. You don't look at just that house, what it's sold for. That's one data point. It's a, probably the best data point, but you've got it. If all the other houses in the block, you know, are, are for sale or for going for a lot more or a lot less, that factors in. Mm-hmm. Or And there's other blocks that are similar in other parts of the city. And, and that's what people are doing when something gets overheated. They're thinking, well, what else is out there? What other house could I buy? And they're going to find out there's some NASCAR, you know, places that are you can you can just hit a whole bunch of great cards for the same price. Yeah, I'm pleased with the slow and steady for NASCAR. I don't I don't want to see it do some kind of exponential rise, you know, like F1 did. I'm I'm good with the way things are. That's I'm a get rich slow guy. You know, building. <laughs> you know, kind of establish the foundation. And when that happens, that's, to me, that's, that's very sustainable. And when you don't do that and it's a roller coaster, people, people, well, roller coasters, what do they do now? They trigger, they trigger, they trigger crash warnings on your iPhone. Oh yeah. Well, that's what's happening. You know, you're on that roller coaster and you, and, 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 and your iPhone knows something's something's not right here. You're flying upside down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's a, I like that analogy. That's a great analogy. I, I hate it because I, it might be a little bit true. Oh, gosh. It's a lot true. <laughs> and I don't want it to quadruple and then drop in half. I just, I just want it to go up, you know, uh, a little bit each each year. Mm-hmm. And some things are going to go up more, big, big surprise. But when it goes up a thousand percent in a year, it's just it just has a lot more room to go down. And same thing with the stock market. If something went up really high, 
unless it can stay at that level and you could see that there's a reason for it, the earnings justify it, the, the company's growing, it's doing really well. And even then it's, it could still be overheated compared to, compared to what it was. Yeah. If, you know, we talk about it all the time, if, if I could have a time machine and just go back even just two years ago, there were F1 vintage cards that were, you know, five, $10 a set. And now you can't touch those for, you know, less than $200. Right. So, I mean, that just goes to show you, you know, the power of how everything was hyped and how, how it went up so quickly, so fast. You know. Well, I have less problem with that. If there, it was some of these five or $10 sets, five or ten dollars when they were issued and nobody thought about them and nobody chased them but if if several people wanted them it could be a two hundred dollar set i have a problem with ten thousand dollar cards that were that were printed yesterday mm -hmm. you know a two hundred dollar set when there's you know a lot of like the tcma minor league cards if everybody thought hey minor league is great you know there only were a thousand of them printed you know in, in the in the at, at the point of origin. So are 500 of them of the set still around or 400 or 300? They're all shoulder printed. So and yeah. that NASCAR stuff and early F1 is same thing. They're, they're probably, so I could justify the obscure thing more so than, than what's being hyped right now. The latest, greatest thing that gets, gets hyped out of, out of shape. Yeah, and we're getting ready to talk about those very things here in our next segment. <laughs> well, uh, I, it's you're asking collectors to have restraint, and that is a really difficult thing because there's so much passion that, and you want what people are talking about. I understand that, but if you can, if you can have some restraint, then you may miss out today. But if, if you're right, then the price is going to come down. If you're wrong, then you, you just got to go buy something else. Mm -hmm. I was going to say that Tops and, you know, they set up at the Miami Grand Prix and they had cards specifically for that. But in NASCAR and Panini, NASCAR is a different animal than some of the other sports. But over the last, I don't know how many years, you know, we really never seen a track giveaway or anything like that to help like educate or let the fan at the track know that there are cards available. I've been to the NASCAR Hall of Fame getting some, you know, cards autographed when they had some driver appearances and folks didn't even know that that cards were made. So, you know, Panini did try to do some advertising. Mm -hmm. They sponsored one of the drivers and they had actually a Panini car at, at the race in the Xfinity series, but it just seems like that hasn't been able to click or, or grab the attention of NASCAR fans to let them know their cards. So, well, fanatics has a reputation for doing stuff like that, I think. And so they're going to do it. If they buy Panini, they're going to get Panini to do it. And if Panini does not get bought by fanatics, they got to up their game. Mm -hmm. And that this would be a way, Val. I think that's a great idea. It's investing in the category, and it a lot of these marketing expenses do not pay off the first time you do it. It's a lot of the concept of advertising and marketing is is repeat. That's why on TV you'll see if you're watching a football game, you'll see the same commercial more than once. 
And so the, if, if Fanatic says we're going to lose football, we're going to lose basketball, we're going to double down on NASCAR, we're going to really invest because that's got – and soccer. We're going we're gonna to really go for it. And that would be a way to go for it. And it, it, they may lose money the first year, which they maybe are will, unwilling to do. But they could – you know, th- those kind of sampling things I think do work in the long run. So another thing I thought of was education that folks don't know – the history of some of the cards or, and like the 72 STP 83 Uno. And that's kind of where NASCAR radio came out of to try to help educate your collectors and kind of maybe breathe a little life back into some of these sets. Because like you said, there's been 30 something years of cards and NASCAR cards just are perfect for, you know, visual, the relics and, uh, some of the technology and the, the autographs, the drivers are always pretty accessible to get autographs. So I think really NASCAR trading cards are, are one of the better visual sports married with cards. I'm just saying, you know, what, one of the things that put breakers on the map and some of these big cards on the map are the bounties. So bounties are a thing now. So if I put a $100 bounty, on some $10 NASCAR sets that are from 30 years ago, 25 years ago, you know, that's a $10 set, but kind of obscure. And I say, I'll buy up all the ones you send me for hundred bucks. I do not think I'd be overwhelmed. I mean, I, I wouldn't be stupid to put something that's that were the, that was mass produced. It's something that's obscure. I would not be overwhelmed. Then everybody's thinking, Hey, that's a hundred dollar set. And, sure. that, and that's what's happening with F1 is that, it's not that they're having bounties. It's just it's becoming known that they're they're scrambling. They're looking for anything, and if it's if it's and there, there's just as obscure stuff for NASCAR. These these little sets. In fact, it's in many cases it's sets that not only are not talked about. They're we would buy stuff, you know, samples, you know, or a sample set when we'd be at these shows to show in the price guide. But sometimes we didn't put them in the price guide because we didn't have enough. Uh, price information and we were a price guide and so yeah i've got a few sets that have never been in a price guide well they might be junk and they might be good you know they might be a failed test issue i don't know i mean there were the, the, it was a little bit the wild wild west with nascar i mean the licensing very different from the leagues so it could be fully licensed in the nascar sense um and be pretty obscure. Look, I think that's what you need to do for the 2019 Don Fox announcers set. Yeah. Put a bounty out. That's, that's a great idea. There, there's a set that came out in 2019 that I think there was what 200 print run, 200 set. Yeah. I, I, it's like what Jason does. I've got an eBay search. I'm looking all every day, every night, for those cards, I have not seen a set. Val's got he's lucky enough to he picked up one set, but I cannot find that set anywhere. Yeah, you've got a better chance of them found finding you if you put a put an extreme bounty on it for you yeah. to look. You're doing all the work. I, I just think somebody's going to see and they're going to think you're stupid, you know, for paying that much because they're not doing the math. They're they're not true fans. They they may just have it, but it's like. I just did this with uh, who did I do that with? I mean, it's going to come up in the next episode, but it turns out Mark Hoyle, you guys know Mark Hoyle. 
the mm -hmm. Red Sox collector that's a really advanced collector. He needs one card for his Ted Williams card collection. I, I heard the episode when he was, and I realized I have the card. He's never seen the card. He needs it. He needs one card in the whole world. And I'm thinking, now I'm really feeling guilty. <laughs> I've got the one card this guy needs. He's a great guy, advanced collector. He's never seen it. I've got it stuck in a box. You know, I'm not I'm not prominently displaying. It's a real it's an expensive, really good card. And uh, but I it's and so I, it, that's what it's like. And so I didn't think about it until I heard about that. And I think, well, I think I had that card. Well, that would be the same thing you would have, Logan, if you just said, look, I really want these. And this is the, the main thing I'm looking for. If you've got them and you can't say I'll pay top dollar, I think you got to say I'll pay X dollars. Now, this, right. this guy didn't say I'm going to pay X dollars because, I, I, you know, because um, I, I don't really want to sell it. But if I was going to sell it, I'd want him to have it. I'd want him to win it. Well, it's like years ago, eBay had that site they called Want It Now. And you could post things that you were looking for. And it was kind of addicting to me. And it's that thing of. I might not have anything, but it's cool to see what other people are looking for. And then maybe once in a while, I'll have something that I can sell that I wasn't really looking to move, but somebody else wants it and needs it. And that's kind of what you're talking about. Just that concept of helping somebody, but also helping them complete a collection and, you know, getting a little money out of it at the same time. Yeah. Except that I don't think those things work as well because they mainly appeal to the collector who is a true collector there there it's not the flippers the, the flipper would find it yeah, and sure. try to get it to you but but if it's a if it's something scarce that's and, and collectors are not wanting to pay 10 times what something is worth so um but if you put i i'd put a bounty out there logan and just say the other thing you could do and this is insidious because you're the psa guy you know but if you were to say i could do this with each psa you know, I'm paying a thousand bucks for those PSA 10 <laughs> or I'd say BGS 10. And there's no chance that anybody's going to contact me with a with a BGS 10 uh, or, you know, I, I could say any amount of money. It will it will never happen for something that was that's 30 years old. It just won't. So and then when they call you, well, I've got an eight and you say, well, I'll give you 20 bucks for that. <laughs> right. Yeah, and at least at least get the word out there and get people thinking that they go, wow, these things are worth something. And if it's yeah, not well contacting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and that the bigger dollars, it's 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 so the opposite of the greater fool theory is it, it's the the pride of ownership of paying more for something is somehow a good thing. I I want people to know I got a good deal. They want these other the new breed just wants people to know they got a bad deal. Yeah, a lot <laughs> of flexing more than anybody else for this. Yeah, yeah. So I have money to not waste because it's they're not flushing it down the toilet. They're buying something that I perceive as being overpriced. That it's over. Uh, they're putting a higher value on it because they think it's going to go for more. Not it could, and I've been wrong. Everybody's wrong some, and right, right, mostly probably, but wrong enough times to know you're not infallible i'm going to do that go for it i'm going for it, go for it. <laughs> if you put some interesting things on there i'll dig into my nascar stuff put a nice big bounty on it logan 
<laughs> you want me to tell you what the bounties are and tell you what cards to put bounties on? No, you just do it. It's just do it. Make it, but make it a big enough list that that you know if it's just one card, I'm going to think like the Mark Coyle that was a fluke, and I thought I think I have that card. Wow. Yep, I'm on it now. Go for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where these have landed because. They were the 200 print running given to the Fox sports announcers in NASCAR. And then they gave some to like social media to give away at the tracks and the rest. I was like 10 or 12 uh, of the announcers. And so they all probably got a few to give away and they're just nowhere to be seen. Highly, highly collectible, highly collectible. And probably you'd want to get them graded just to encapsulate them and, yeah, that's what Val's done. He 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 got his set graded. Yeah, smart. Yeah, I don't think they've been any graded on any other company. So nope. Well, I don't know if we have any more questions for Doctor Beckett. No, I don't think so. I think maybe it's time to cue the music for King's Court. <laughs> oh, all right. I didn't know he was he was going to stay. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd like to get his comments on some of these cards because we were talking about the high-priced F1 cards. You're getting ready to see some. All right, here we go. Let's cue the music. All right. All right, this week's King's Court. I've got an honorable mention this week in... I don't know how I missed this card because this card actually ended last week and we were talking about it. I never saw it, but what this is, this ended on the 26th of September and it's a 1972 STP PSA eight Richard Petty rookie card. And they were asking $15,000 for this card. In fact, we know the guy who owns this card, Mitch, he ended up selling it for a best offer of guess how much guys, is it 8,000? 8,500 for a PSA 8. There's only one one card graded higher. There's one nine out there. Yeah, I think we had seen this one actually in person. There's a few little brown spots on the back, but it presents very well yeah. with the corners. Well, remember, this card was raw, and the guy was selling it for $2,000, and then he took it off and then he put it on. Oh, yeah. Remember that? And then he he put it for bidding. Then he took it off and he had a buy it now price of a thousand dollars. And I'm not kidding you. I was out riding my mountain bike and Justin Channels calls me while I'm riding out riding. He says, This car just went on went for a buy it now of a thousand dollars. Should I buy it? I said, Yes, you should buy it, because I couldn't buy it. I was out messing around. And he said, Never mind, somebody bought it. It went that quick. <laughs> so the guy, so Mitch, you know, he, I know how much he paid for. He paid, he paid a grand for it and he did well with it. So kudos to him. Very nice. So anyway, love Dr. seeing Beckett, some of that 1972 STP love for that set. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Beckett, that's, that's one of the, uh, we oh, call that one of our NASCAR glamor cards. We got that from you calling, calling cards, glamor cards. Yes, <laughs> that is. And you guys have popularized it. You guys have talked it up. We have talked it up. And like I said, we're, we're a victim of our own own success on that one. Um, 
All right. So next up is our Joker of the Week. This was on the 9th of October, 2005 Futera Grand Prix memorabilia card of Ayrton Senna. Did you guys even know there was a memorabilia card? I remember seeing, I guess it was last week, there's some autographed cards of memorabilia, yes. <laughs> and it's a it's a race-used tire out of 295. There's 169. Uh, yeah. And check this out. It went for $24.99. Buy it now. Wow. Somebody went, somebody went click and bought it. Wow. So there you go. There's some of your high-priced F1 stuff right there. Um, yeah. Dr. Beckett's looking through the dollar boxes and see the memorabilia card. <laughs> I don't see too many of those. I would. Yeah, but that's a heck of a card. Um, it's pretty nice. It's kind of weird looking how they did it. I guess they just didn't know how to do uh, the memorabilia cards back then, and they it's kind of yeah. it looks a little crude. Yeah, it looks like it's just cut out and kind of. Yeah. Let me get a good picture there. Yeah. So, because you can see. You know, around the the treads there at the at the bottom, it's not flush with the yeah with the card. Well, that I'm sure that was our first attempt. Yeah, they only made that what 2005, and then I think 2006, and that was it. Yep, that was it for, for uh, F1. All right, so next up is our Jack of the Week. This was also on the 9th of October. 2020 Topps Chrome F1 Landau Carisian Norris. It's a gold refractor out of 50. It's a BGS 9. And it went out for bidding. It went for $988.76 with 22 bids. So, yeah, number 40 out of 50. I feel like gold refractors from all the sports have become extremely popular in the past couple of years. I would agree with that. They're There's limited some... but attainable. There's certain colors that uh, are better than the serially numbering that they have, you know, that people yeah. just think they're more attractive. That's yeah, a nice looking card with that with the yellow gold and that blue uniform and uh, light blue there. Yeah, some, some good contrasting colors there. So, yeah, that's, that was a pretty cool card. And almost $1,000 with 22 bids. Yeah, so well, I think that's still a little high-priced, but, you know, it's better than some kind of five-figure card. But anyway, let, let's move on to our Queen of the Week. This was on the 6th of October. Look who it is. Haley Deegan, 2019 Prime Clear Vision Autograph. It's a true one-of-one one on – it says on-card auto, which it is. And it went also for a buy it now price. Somebody else went click and bought it for $899.99. So somebody really likes Haley. Wow. And Almost uh, $900 for uh, uh, 2019. Yeah. yeah, Dr. Beckett, we're, uh, as far as NASCAR radio is concerned, we are kind of on hold with her right now till she has some better results. So we're not, we're not buying her card right now <laughs> but apparently some people still are so yep. for the diehard collectors like we we talked about uh she's doing her first xfinity race this weekend and uh, las vegas yep she sure is so we'll see how things go this weekend yep 
All right, next up, King of the Week. This was on on the tenth. Yeah, check this card out. This was on the tenth of October, nineteen ninety nine. Press pass signings. NASCAR. Dale Earnhardt in gold, and it went out for bidding. And I think it actually probably is undervalued. It went for twelve hundred dollars with twenty eight bids. So there's a hundred of the gold, and this is ninety six of one hundred. That's yeah. a beautiful autograph. It is a beautiful autograph. Yeah, that's one of the nicest cards I think we've shown. It's up there with that upper deck one. Agreed. Yeah, I mean he did, and he did a fantastic job because you know how those those gold markers they dry out. So the fact that it's not real streaky and it's very solid right. really makes that card pop. So that was twenty eight bids. It wasn't a buy it now. Yeah, but if I had the money, I might have bid on that. But I just don't have that kind of money right now. <laughs> I got I got a wedding I'm helping pay for. <laughs> That's really impressive. That's a really nice looking card. Yeah, yeah I think uh, yeah, I think somebody got a, a good deal on that. Yeah, so I think I think it was undervalued. I think whoever bought this got a great deal. All right. So next up, this is second to the last. Our ace of the week, one of one, is on the sixth of October. And look who it is. It's one of one. And it's not the same one we had last week, Jason. Mm -hmm. it, that was a Donruss from 2022. Oh, you're right. You're right. This, this is a one of one Ty Gibbs, Ty freaking Gibbs. 2021 uh, Prism, gold vinyl one of one. It's in an SGC holder. Um, it was SGC last time, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, the other one was too, remember? And it went for like $554.54. Makes me wonder because you don't see that very often with NASCAR racing being SGC. I wonder if it was the same seller. It could be. It very well could be. Could be somebody who's speculating on Ty Gibbs and then had him yep. had him graded. But they were asking a thousand dollars for this card. And it wasn't far off. It went for a best offer of eight hundred dollars. Wow. Yeah. That's a twenty-one. His rookie's in twenty. This, yeah. this is his first, first prism card. Mm -hmm. So, Doctor Beckett, this is one of the, I don't want to say young guns that are that's coming up. He'll be running in Cup next year, replacing Kyle Busch, and his coach Gibbs' grandson. Right. And he's got plenty of talent to back it up. He does have a lot of talent. So we're all excited about him. He's doing well. We hope he can continue on his 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 rise of you know in success. So we're hoping he does well next year in Cup. And I guess some people are speculating. But yeah, I thought that was a cool card. I, that's probably about where it needs to be. I would think eight hundred bucks or so. All right. Last but not least, our Royal Flush, which is uh, the highest price card of the week. I don't know where it went. I thought I had it. I'll give you a second. I'll talk about it while you're you're getting the link. Huh. All right. Let me grab that real quick. I know I had it, but. Yeah. This was on the 9th of October, and it's going to be a 2021 Topps Dynasty F1 Lewis Hamilton Jumbo Patch Auto Card. And um, actually, this card went for under five figures. It was a BGS 9.5 slash 10. I think the auto was a 10, and the card is out of 10. And uh, it went for it. It went for, out for bidding, and it was $8,500 is what it went for. Here we go. It went for $8,500 with 39 bids. 
And again, it's got that Lewis Hamilton scribble on there that we talk about. So Jason, Jason is our, our is in our patch location department for NASCAR radio. I'm on it. <laughs> so Jason's Jason's looking to see where that patch yeah. is on his uniform. So oh, it was okay. 39 bids and $8,500. Yeah. That's for 2021. That's not even 2020. No, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's 2021 dynasty. And of course, Dr. Beckett, you, you know, he's, we, we all know, as we all know, he's the, he's the darling of F1 right now. Yeah. But I'd take seven of the Earnhardts. Absolutely. A flash. Yeah. That's same. what, that's what we say here all the time. We, we talk about, yeah. I mean, how many of you know Dale Earnhardt or Jeff Gordon autographed cards, high-end cards, could you buy for this eighty-five hundred dollars? I would have the. I would much rather have Earnhardt or Gordon or Richard Petty and those guys all day long compared to this card. I totally agree. Well, I mean, you're betting on whether the hobby is going to get more and more international, and it probably will. Mm -hmm. NASCAR is pretty distinctly American, maybe North American. Uh, F1, pretty pretty global, I think. So, but still, you, it doesn't. Yeah, you know, Earnhardt, much tougher autograph. I mean, Lewis Hamilton's going to have more one of ones next year, and the year after, and the year after, and you know, mm -hmm. one of one. It's one of one for this particular thing, or one, one of ten. And he's got one of fifties. He's got one of twenty fives. He's got. You know, you add it all up, he's going to have a lot of good cards because that's the way they're building these products now. Yeah. All right, pal. Um, Turn that card over. Zoom in on his chest underneath the EOS. It's right that there, right yep. There. Right yep. there. Yeah. Yep, that's where it's from, right there. Yep. Way to go, Jason. So that's yep. a premium. It's, it's it's over his heart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's uh, That makes it a one of one. Yep. I, yeah, you're right. It's an eBay one of one. No eBay one of one. Yeah. <laughs> and it is facing the correct direction. Yeah. Yeah. Jason hates it when the patches are upside down or uh, yeah. at, at the wrong angle. He he really hates that. I kind of hate it too, but Jason really does hate it. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's it for this week's King's Court. All righty. Thanks, guys. I gotta go. Because I'm, right. I'm, I got a wife that's saying it's bedtime. So, <laughs> yeah, it's getting late. Because it's well, bedtime, it's bedtime. So, that's means come well, to bed. Well, thanks uh, for being on here with us. Yes, thank yeah. you for joining us tonight. Keep up the great work. It's it's fun to participate with you guys. Love I enjoyed it. having you. And I, yeah. I hope NASCAR continues to trend. You know, it's it doesn't have to be the expense of F1. It could be they're they're opening doors, and you guys are going to just march right in. I hope that happens. That's fine. Thank you, sir. Right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So, wow. long show, Ty fellas. <laughs> ah, we're used to it. Ty Gibbs, there were eight SGCs that sold on eBay, and one seller had like three or four of them. Another seller had two, and another seller had two. And then there wow. was somebody Somebody's been buying. So, there were, it wasn't as drastic as i thought for one person because nascar is one thing and sgc is another like it's it's its own you know category almost but the it's that cult following so surprise me but there's a couple of people doing it so that's cool all right well i guess we'll wrap up yeah i'll freaking give skid marks
Thank our sponsor, Panini America. Thanks to Dr. Dr. Beckett. All right, guys. I will uh, catch everybody next week. And if you've listened this long, thank you very much. <laughs> yes.